Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. We have uh, Mr. Glenn Beck back with us, back yes. from CPAC. Yes. Yay. Yay. With some observations on CPAC today. Yes. All right. Is that your top story? Yeah. Um, yeah. The things that I learned at CPAC. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Stu. I guess I'll go with the vote on the national emergency on the border. Okay. Andrew. Uh, what are the most partisan counties in America? We're going to talk about that. Mm. All right. I can't wait to find out about that. Uh, but first, we want to thank our sponsor, Ridiazone. So, um, I know, yeah, 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 Sarah used to be fat, blah, blah, blah. You're not anymore. Okay, cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that. I just love doing that. Look, see, because you get that face. <clears throat> and the great thing is, I'm not married to her. <laughs> Don't have to do Okay, well, I'm going to call Tanya and tell her (laughs) what you said to me. Don't, 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 (laughs) don't. But in all seriousness, if you are trying to lose the extra bit of weight and you just can't seem to figure out a way to get it off, uh, might I suggest Ridizone? Try it and see if it works for you. The folks at Ridizone, it's not like a bunch of crazy chemicals that they put into a, a pill and you take it and you're jittery all day. It's just, it contains OEA which stands for something that I can't actually pronounce. It's this really long word, uh, but okay. it's, no, it's no. not cocaine. Speed? Uh, no, it's meth. meth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's the good molecule in olive oil that helps boost your metabolism and reduce your appetite. Um, I use it to maintain my weight. It works like a charm for me. Try it and see if it works for you. Go to ridiazone.com. Use promo code TheBlaze. Get 30% off of a three-month supply. Uh, that is R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com for you podcast listeners. Glenn, what did you learn at CPAC? I learned that the state of the republic is more fragile than I, I thought, um, not, as, not as unified as I had hoped. Um, I, I, I was impressed by the number of people that were there. I was impressed by the age that was there, about half of the 9,000, 10,000 people that were there were around the age of 25. So I thought that was good. Um, however, I asked over and over and over again, what are the, what are the two things that we have, to, we have to take care of? And it's the two things that we can only take care of, that Washington's not going to take care of, and that is abortion. Because if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. We're not even talking about abortion anymore, Glenn. We're now talking about infanticide. Heard that over and over again. And the second thing, socialism. And when I said, how do we, how do we, how do we, you know, affect socialism? The answer for 25 year olds was, I don't think you're going to. Everybody loves it. Everybody thinks it's neat and no one knows what they're talking about. Uh, And they said, we have, we have, we have flushed this generation away. This generation, the millennials, they all think it's neat. They all don't know what it is. And they said, no one's going to be listening to the talking heads on television. They're not relating to anyone on television. Ben Shapiro, Steven Crowder, Ali, that's, that's it. That's it. And who is teaching about socialism? Mm. That kind of worried me because as we've been talking the last few weeks, if the economy goes into a nosedive, we, what was that poll today? 41% of the American people uh, are for socialism. Wasn't that it? 
Do you remember? Sure, which poll that one. We read it on the air today. 39% it... of the American people don't know what the definition of socialism is then. Is yes, <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, but it is, it's a frighteningly high number of the people who are like, I'm cool with socialism, but they don't know what it means. Sharing, right, Glenn? Isn't that yeah. the definition of socialism? It just is. being a nice person on a government level? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, the Democratic Socialists have, have done a really good job. you got to tip the hat to them for creating a message that does make it yeah. about sharing and yep. about, uh, you know, equality, which I think was something that you addressed that was, in your speech. Yeah, we just talked about it on the, on the show here just a few minutes ago. It's equality of outcomes. Mm -hmm. Well, there is no fairness in equality of outcomes. And that's what we really have to preach to our kids at home is, you know, show them, okay, you and your sister went out for Halloween, great. I'm going to take all of the candy, I'm going to take 40% of it, and then I'm going to make sure that your sister, who's younger than you are, has exactly the same number. But mom, I went to more doors. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. It's a equality. That's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair. To be really accurate, you also need to lose a lot of the candy that you take from your kid. <laughs> yes. And yes. then, like, just randomly, like, I don't know, try and turn it into corn or something <laughs> weird like that. Like, it, is, it is truly amazing, though, how uh, this younger generation, you know, they, they're thriving right now from capitalism. They're mm -hmm. thriving off of the capitalist society that we have created. Mm -hmm. And in this backwards world, still think that they're so oppressed and, you know, they have their latest iPhone while they're talking about, you I've know, never how socialism seen, is good. I've never seen an easier case to make the capitalism in my entire life than yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. And yet you don't hear it. Uh, you know, Brian Cranston did a, a movie about a blacklisted uh, Hollywood writer. I can't think of that stupid Columb name. No. I, I, something with a B. It's driving me crazy. Trump, Trump, Trumbo, Trumbo, Trumbo. Thank you, thank you, Trumbo. Uh, <laughs> I knew there was a B in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, so Trumbo, and there's a part where he's a, you know, he's a communist, and he's explaining to his daughter, who doesn't understand, like, why is, why are you a communist? And he has a sandwich, and he legitimately gives almost the exact same example. It's except he says it in the most nice, nicest way. It's like, I have a sandwich. Would you like to give? Uh, can I give you half of the sandwich? And she's like, Well, yeah, that would be great. Well, why don't you just get a job? That's capitalism. Get a job, earn the sandwich, or or you could be nice and give the sandwich. That's socialism. It's like that is like not socialism at all. But I mean, you're talking to a group of people who, up until about their mid twenties, uh, were not alive during uh, Soviet communism, and you're you're up to the upper twenties before they could even remember it. But here's the good news, I think, is that it, it's it's already decaying and already falling apart on itself. When you look at the people who say transgender, and here, here's the thing, justice uh, and, um, uh, and, and fairness do come out of capitalism, okay? Not equality, but justice and fairness. So when people say, oh, look at this transgender person, they just want to play baseball. Okay, well, the fairness in all of us say, you know what? Let's be just. Let's let that person play baseball and they can play on the boys' team and everything else. But then that's equality as well. And this is where it breaks down. Capitalism will not treat that person as an equal because they are not equal. If it's a girls' softball team and you're a boy, nope, nope. We can all be. Thank, thank you for thinking that I would yeah. be competitive on a girls' <laughs> softball team. We could all be n nice about it, and we can all be want fairness, mm -hmm. 
but you're not going to get equality. Instead, what they do is they put you on that team, and now all the girls are like, he's, he pretends he's a man, and he's really a girl, and he can't play worth salt. Can you give us some other transgendered besides Andrew? Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, that's what's happening. We're seeing it now with the sports. The girls, their, their instinct is to be fair. Mm-hmm. But once that fairness turns around and it's no longer fair to them, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do we be fair to both? Can't. Well, there was a, there was a female, I believe this was on The Blaze, the news story, there was a female uh, high school sprinter and she was beat in the championship and she was ranked third and the top two people who won were both transgender athletes and she spoke out and said, that I'm happy for them that they have the courage to be who they want to so, be, right. but it's wrong. Right, so now what do you do? Yeah. Now what do you do? Socialism would say, nothing. Well, no, but that doesn't work. And I think it's starting to come apart because people are starting to see the fruits of it. I mean, you could change everyone in college's point of view immediately if you said everybody who gets an A is now going to get a C and everyone who had an F gets a C. We're just redistributing. Everybody gets a C you would see the people in college go crazy because they know merit matters. So is that the solution then, do you think? Because you said that these young people are like, we can't do anything about it. Is that the solution is just to let them start seeing the fruits of this? No, I don't think we can let them see the fruits of it because it gets too ugly too fast. I mean, you know, we are we're on the edge. If this if this economy goes down with Donald Trump in uh, office, he's got to get, you know, 11% 11% more people really in his, in his column, or he'll lose. Mm-hmm. If he loses to a Democratic Socialist and they lose the House and the Senate, what do you think is going to happen? That new Green Deal is going to be passed, and that is a fundamental change in the economy. Yeah, I mean, I love inequality. I, I think it's wonderful. Um, uh, if you have merit, you must have inequality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, just, it's just true. If you want to get rid of inequality, you must get rid of merit as a measure. And I don't think that's the good, that's a good thing. I mean, I mean, we also, by virtue, I mean, the Declaration of Independence, the, you know, the right to pursue happiness, I may not have the same happiness as all of you do. I, I, have, I've, I have no desire to work 70 hours a week as a financial, you know, as a, like a stockbroker. I have friends that do. That they enjoy doing that. And they... Getting a lot more money is more important to them. I didn't want to do that. Very happy with my job right now, by the way. Uh, but were I to leave here, I'd be like, well, I'm going to try and do 30 hours a week and or, you know, make less. And I, I have that ability within our system because within our system, you get to determine what's the extent of money you want to earn and all that kind of thing. When you a, try and push it all together, and nope, we're all going to have the same thing. That's the thing when it comes to women and their, and their, um, their pays. Mm-hmm. If, you look at, if you look at women totally and you see what they choose, they generally choose to go home, have children. They are not, generally speaking, the ones on the treadmill that are going 80 hours a week and are are trying to put food on the table and have this big, long career. Some choose that, and they should be paid equally for the equal amount of work and what they're doing. But if if you're looking at, well, you're a male, you're a female, well, okay, we should treat you equally, but the minute he starts pulling ahead because you have different priorities in your life, then it shouldn't be equal anymore. There's no equal outcome on that. 
Stu, I want to move on to uh, the national emergency at the border. Yeah, I tossed around doing uh, Hickenlooper mania uh, or Inslee Ins Palooza. I yeah. could have done that as well. Neither. I just decided we have a lot of time to talk uh, horse race stuff, so let's do this emergency declaration thing. It's interesting Rand Paul came out and said, uh, look, I believe there is a real problem on the border, and I've talked to the president about it. I support him and, and his border security actions, but I can't give any more power to the executive branch. I don't think he should be... Uh, the power of the purse is ours, not his. So he will be voting uh, against Trump for the uh, the bill that would stop this national emergency. That vote puts uh, the Senate over the line. So they will likely, unless something changes, reject uh, this emergency. And, and it will go up to Trump, who will then veto it. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see now. Go ahead. Did, did Mike Lee still on the fence? I think he has not right? announced he, his yeah. vote. Um, I do fully expect him to vote uh, I, I the same way. I think and hope so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and there will be others. Um, I, I, you have, like, these different lines. No one wants to be the deciding vote. So, like, the first line is, let's all, like, the first one's, like, Susan Collins and, and uh, you know, uh, Tom Tillis all rushed out to get their vote out there first because there's three votes. You know, the best gold vote slots are the ones you get out there before it overturns. So you only get to 50. So there's three slots there. The first three that get out there aren't the deciding vote to overturn Trump, and they could take a principled stand. Then you need someone really brave who has some principled background. Rand Paul was the person in this case who takes that 51st vote. Now it's going to be rejected. Now you have room for a lot of other people to jump on in and take their principled stance without hurting Trump because it can, if it, they'd have to get to 67 votes to overturn this veto. Um, they will not get there. I expect it to be somewhere between maybe 57 and 61. I do think you'll get you know, uh, Mike Lee and Ted Cruz. You'll also get some uh, people from purple states like a Cory Gardner who will be able to kind of step in and say, well, you know, the border is important, but I get to take this stand and I can say to my voters later on that I rejected Trump. This is a very cynical reading of this, but I do think it's pretty much what's going on. Um, you know, I think all of the senators, all of them are uncomfortable with the way that this is being done, uh, but most of them are not going to step up. The other thing, too, is if they did somehow get to over 67 votes, there's a it, it's a little unclear, but it's not exactly clear that they would even have to take it up to overturn the veto. So if they got to, let's say, 70 votes, then McConnell could just not call a vote on this particular bill to overturn it and it wouldn't get overturned anyway. So it is like this is all sort of, of, of a ridiculous, ridiculous act. Um, and it's 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 left a bunch of Republicans in impossible positions. You know, we've heard a lot, uh, a lot of people have said, and Ted Cruz mentions in this to you a little bit um, when he was on the air with you at CPAC. I know Ben Shapiro kind of said the same thing, which is kind of like a, a, a way to say to Trump, look, don't do the emergency thing. You're setting a terrible precedent. It's probably not, it's not constitutional. So instead, redirect funds through these already existing processes, and you can get just as much or more as you're going to get from the emergency anyway, and you can just build the wall. Now, of course, if that were real, why wouldn't he just start there? Why is he going to ask Nancy Pelosi's permission to get this money if he could just do it? I think everybody knows it's not a good idea if he starts doing these things. And even with the, 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 the current way that some Republicans are arguing to do this, one of the situations is they'll say, OK, well, there's money allocated in the defense budget for um, I believe it's you know, housing for military uh, people. And they've already started to build the housing. Well, they could take the money away from that and they can build the wall. Now, of course, no sensible politician, right, would take money away from housing for the military. That would be crazy. 
So what they'll do is after they move the money from the housing for the military over to the wall, they'll do a new bill that will just pass the housing to the military money, which, of course, no one can vote against because it's housing for the military. So that's I mean, that is a another terrible precedent to set. Oh, just pass a bunch of feel good stuff. We'll take the money from the feel good stuff, put it in the stuff we want to do it and then just fill back up the coffers of the feel good stuff. Department of kittens. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. None of this is a good idea. Get stuff passed through Congress if you want it done. The founders came up with a system that made it difficult for you to do that because they didn't want you to pass everything that feels good because you have 51% support or 45% support or 39% support like the wall seems to have. You have to be able to get it through. If you can't get it through, you don't get it. I know that sucks because I think the border is a really serious issue. We should have had it so many times over the years. We don't have it because it didn't go through Congress, and that's the way it's supposed to be. All right. You, uh, he pretty much wrapped it up, summed it up quite nicely. I don't, we'll don't want to hear back. from any of you people on this. That's my, <laughs> that was my segment. Before we uh, jump back into the conversation, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Uh, so Relief Factor is for people who just live in constant pain and think that that's just something that we should be doing. Yeah, but it's not necessarily constant, like, oh my gosh, I cannot live another day. It's also just like, you know, I've got my neck always hurts, yeah. or my arms hurt, or that, that old... It's just getting old. Tompkins gland. That old women's softball injury. Oh, know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, that old thing is flaring up on yep. me. The old war wound. Uh, those things. And, and it reduces inflammation. It doesn't string you out. It doesn't uh, hook you on anything. It's all natural. And you can try it for three weeks, and if it doesn't work, you're not out of anything. I mean, 90 well, I mean, bucks. <laughs> but that's not, I mean, but that's, uh, pain. Yeah, it's... 70% of the people yeah. who try it, they try this three-week quick start, go on to keep buying it. Why are you laughing at me? No, I'm not laughing at you. Boy, you are wow. self-centered, isn't she? I just find pain funny in general. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, try it out. Uh, relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Uh, go there and get your life back. All right, Andrew. Talking uh, partisan counties? Talking about the most partisan counties in America. There was a fascinating, uh, fascinating project that The Atlantic put together where they got a bunch of quantifying data and they went through, and I'll actually I'll throw up the, uh, the picture on the, the full screen there. Um, they went through all 3,000 uh, 3, counties in America and they did a combination of polling and they did um, a few other things as well. I think they looked at households where um, voter registration was different between married couples and things like that, but a significant portion of it was polling. One of the big questions they asked is, would you be bothered if someone in your family married a Democrat if you're a Republican or vice versa? Uh, and uh, saw which, which states, which counties have the most partisan, prejudiced counties. Uh, and uh, the, the darker you see, that is the more partisan it is. Wow. I have no idea why like, all of Florida, Florida yeah. is just, just this Florida. crazy handbag and, of partisanship. Almost all of South Carolina. Yeah, and then like, you look at like North Carolina, fine. Yeah. <laughs> like North Carolina, just I have, I have no idea what accounts for that. Um, it looks like uh, maybe Utah. And, and, and I'll, I'll say Parts this too. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and that might also be, not knowing the data specifically in Utah, it could be that like Democrats in Utah or Republicans in Utah, it, it, may, it may not be across the board. The, the county that takes the cake, though, for the most partisan prejudiced mm-hmm. county in America is Suffolk County, Massachusetts, which is uh, where Boston is located. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that, um, I... I I don't want to paint the picture that it's just sort of a radiating thing from like the capital of progressivism and it gets more. There's, there's lots of partisan conservative counties as well. But what I found really interesting about this was the, the, the predominant factors that account for 
uh, partisan prejudice and assumptions that I'm right and other people are evil tends to be if you're white, uh, college-educated, uh, affluent. Those tend to be the things because you presumably can kind of create your own zone of people that you're dealing with in a way that other people don't have. Uh, hmm. You know, I have to point something out. You'll notice that that is not, that is actually Colorado. It's northern Colorado and western Colorado. And the most white anywhere on the map besides the Great Lakes is Utah and southern Idaho. And if I can give you a, if I can give you a story on this that might account for this. Um, when Utah was going through statehood, they were all Republicans because they were all vehemently against uh, slavery and everything else. And they had been kicked out of Missouri because they were in, trying to influence against slavery. So they were really hated. So they were die hard Republicans. So when Joseph Smith, or not Joseph Smith, but Brigham Young brings them into Utah, and now they have to vote on statehood, he said, we're never going to get anywhere if, you, if we're all Republicans. So this half of the church, you're Republicans. This half, you're now Democrats. And they did that in every meeting house all in Utah. And, and so, and some people still take, I've been a Democrat since the beginning in Utah. And so they have this, they have this different look at politics to where just because where they were sitting in the aisle might mean that they were on the, it might mean that they just always voted that way. Mm -hmm. And they still kind of come together. It's amazing how much white is on that is on that map. Which is fantastic. Hats off to Utah in that capacity. Uh, There's a lot of whites. You like that? Exactly. That was <laughs> unbelievable. That's, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and that's, that, ha that is a phrase that has been uttered. Wow, look at all the white in Utah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you see these. I, I don't know all of the, the differences that account for the various states and counties, but, uh, but I, I generally like it when I can be in a place where uh, if I disagree with somebody in terms of what their party is, I'm not I'm not viewing them as in sin, I'm viewing them as an error. I think there's a difference fundamentally between viewing people as evil bigots when you disagree with them versus being mistaken when you disagree with them. Yeah. Uh, and for me, like me being a, a fairly um, dyed-in-the-wool independent, like I really don't like partisanship because then it's just people hate, I'm always in the crosshairs. I don't get to, I don't get to sit out of the fight. So well, let me be the first to say that I think that opinion is evil. <laughs> Thank you, um, uh, I, Actually, let me, uh, let it's me. It's not the opinion, it's really you. It's really you as a person. That's a <laughs> okay. good point, that's a good point. So you're, you're judging <laughs> me based on core. character yeah. and I'm failing based <laughs> yeah. on character. Okay, all right, that's fine. Uh, and a little bit of a defense to political uh, prejudice. I think like, Prejudice, at like skin color and all that, stuff, I've never even understood. It's so completely inane. Uh, and I, and but, you know, but when you're talking about a, uh, a political viewpoint, like that is some, that's telling you something about involved, the person, right? Like there's a choice involved. And I like a lot of times when you're talking to someone who's more like-minded, they're going to understand where you're going with something. They're not going to assume the worst about you. Um, and I think like people. You know, like we, I think because we sit here and talk about it all the time, it's very easy for me to go talk to a Democrat about some controversial issue because I know where they're kind of coming from and I know where I'm coming from and I know where the boundaries of the debate are. And you know that for the average person, though, that doesn't live and die politics, it's just ease of life. Like if you go in there and you say something and, and you know what, maybe the person's not as refined on the point they're trying to make about, let's say, immigration. Right. They might not necessarily they know generally where they stand, but they might not have all the nuances. 
if you say something wrong and the person you're talking to takes the offense to it and it winds up blowing up into this big thing, I think people surround themselves with like-minded people because it's just, it's just easier. It's not the focus of their life, and they don't want their life to blow up because of politics. Well, we and it's tempting, I think, for the average person. generally, as a species, gather together in packs because it's, it's what we had to do to survive when, you know, ancient man, and it's still in, still in us. You're part of my tribe, and I want my tribe around in case there's an attack. And we all, both sides, feel like we're under attack, so it's, it's not unusual that we would start to become very tribal. All right, back in a minute. We can all agree, though, that Sarah's evil, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think so. This is really, thank you. Yeah. Sex Fat. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so Mr. Andrew Heaton, you have a podcast. I do. It's called Something's Off yeah. with Andrew Heaton. Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. You should check it out. It's it's, it's the, the title is very it's very me. true to form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Find it wherever you get uh, your podcast. Check it out. It's funny and thoughtful. I bring on uh, interesting people, policy wonks, and comedians. Tomorrow, I'm, I'm bringing on Senator Mike Lee. Oh, I'm nice. going to talk about balancing the Constitution, or about balancing federalism within the Constitution. And uh, today, I had on Catherine Mangy Ward from Reason talking about uh, Marie Kondo. So there's lots of different <laughs> things that I bring on. <laughs> Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Uh, interesting little tidbit from an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, yes. interview. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it was a press conference. She was asked to if she would denounce uh, Maduro and asked to comment on what was going on in Venezuela. And it's interesting the way that she spun the answer. Watch. As a democratic socialist, I'm wondering if, uh, what are your thoughts on the Venezuelan crisis that's happening yeah. right now? And if you would denounce the Maduro regime? Yeah, so I think that, that this is absolutely a complex issue. I think it's important mm. that, uh, that we approach this very carefully. One, okay. I am... Um, I'm uh, myself, just like anyone else, who is absolutely concerned with the humanitarian crisis that's happening. And I think it's important that any solution that we have centers the Venezuelan people and centers the democracy of of Venezuelan people first. I am very concerned about U.S. interventionism in Venezuela, and I oppose it, especially when we talk about um, a figure like U.S. Special Envoy Elliot Abrams here. Um, I think it's... Mm-hmm. He's pled guilty Contra, uh, to <laughs> several crimes related to Iran-Contra, and I don't think that we should be, you know, I am generally opposed to wow. U.S. interventionism a as a principle, but <laughs> particularly oh, under this crap. administration and under his leadership, I think it's a profound mistake. Yeah. Keep talking mm. for another seven minutes she, without She has a, a knack for There's, just just words just uh, keep coming out of her mouth, but they're not really making any sense. Yeah, I she mean, didn't have an answer. I mean, that was... No, there was no answer. Is it possible she thinks the word denounce means overthrow? <laughs> because you can actually not be an interventionist in their policy by saying he's not a good guy. That's actually pretty I, easy. I feel, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like, let's say that there's like a libertarian billionaire who owns like a compound slash cult Yes. Montana and is just killing puppies everywhere and they're like, do you like that libertarian? I'd be like, no, that guy's a jerk. Yeah, right. yeah. He's terrible. That's right. not very good. Uh, decrying that, right. Rand Paul good, that guy bad. I, I think I could do that. Well, and I mean, it's just interesting because she won't denounce him, but she's willing to admit that there is a humanitarian crisis there. 
which, I mean, I don't know, maybe uh, some of that might be due to the fact that he's setting uh, trucks on fire that have aid and food. Mm. Could be. Or just, just ru- not, ru- ruining the economy of one of the wealthiest countries in the world over uh, yeah. the last 20 years right. through tried and true horrible socialist policies. But oh. let's spin it to be about Trump. I will say in Maduro's defense that those trucks were filled with kale. Uh, so I do not mind that they. Yeah. Okay. Fire. So it's, that's what we'll, 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 we'll call here. that net. <laughs> yeah. Like net, net neutral. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Send the trucks here. He's protecting his people. I think. But I mean, <laughs> seriously, the, these are the people. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She is. She is their spokesperson. And I know Glenn was talking earlier about you know young people just thinking that socialism is so great and you know they're too far gone according to the young, the younger generation at CPAC. But I, like I just feel like the more she talks. She's just going to make our case for us. Yeah, I mean, I think, I do think that's true. I mean, people think she's she's good at social media, which is like another way of saying she can't, she's not good in person, right? Like, I mean, like, it's like when you... policy. Right. It's like, yeah. yeah, I mean, she had another thing the other day where she's like, I, I, I voted against this because I don't want ICE doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, ICE doesn't handle that policy, so I don't know why we're bringing them up. You know, a lot of times she just doesn't know what she's talking about. Now, when you're on social media... You say something that's wrong, and six hours later, after you're told what's right, you can come up with a snarky response as if you knew the whole time on social media. And that's what they mean when they say she's good at social media. I mean, she's bad in real life. Um, but look, I mean, she's, she's kind of a celebrity right now. I think, you know, the one thing that I, I do see as a potential worry with her, uh, generally speaking, I think she's fantastic. Like, it's the type of thing that Republicans and conservatives tried to get liberals to admit for decades that a lot of people, not all, but a lot of Democrats really have these sorts of tendencies and want these things in the long term, just can't admit it. She admits it. I think that's fantastic. And honestly, I think it's fantastic for voters to be able to hear, you know, I think it's honesty from her. And she's one of the very few, I think, honest in Congress. Um, So I give her credit on that. Uh, I think the same feeling that we have about Ocasio-Cortez, the left had about Donald Trump. And they said, look, this guy's coming out. He's blurting all this stuff out. He's saying all these mean things. He's saying, you know, his, uh, Mexicans are rapists and all the things that Democrats said about Donald Trump. Uh, and then he won. So, like, I don't know. Maybe she's a big enough celebrity to overwhelm all these failings. And I, I, I could be wrong. I, I do think where she is very clever and and which worries me is I do think she grasps the concept of an Overton window very well. I think mm-hmm. she gets that. And so when she's like, we'll do like a 90% tax, she knows we're not going to do that. But all of a sudden the conversation's from like, let's increase it by 2% or maybe de- decrease it to let's, should we do 14 or 20? Yeah. No, and, I, and that's, there's, there's a herd effect going on right now with the whole Democratic Party where they're all moving that direction, which saddens me no end. Yeah, I have a, I think a slight distinction on, on that point is I don't think she knows that. She I know think the term over tonight. No, of course she's definitely what's going on. I think because I, I think what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're describing Ocasio Cortez has a strategy to say 90 percent so that it, she gets 70. I think she's saying 90, thinking she wants 90, and people like Pelosi and others are appreciating the Overton window move so they can get to 40 and 50. Uh, I think like they. I think there's other people in the party who are seeing her fuel as as advantageous to what they're trying to do long term. So they can say, oh, yeah, the Green New Deal is obviously a little nutty, but we can go to here, and that's totally fine. That's sensible. I mean, we would never go way out there to her, but we're right here. Mm. And I, I, think, I think she is, uh, you know, 
at some level an ideologue and, and, and somewhat naive and thinks that she can get these things. And she maybe who knows, in this freaking country, God, I don't even know, maybe she can. Um, but I think the, the, the people who are in the power seats of the, uh, the Democrats are going to use her fuel as long as they can take her nonsense, yeah. which might be a year. I mean, I don't think they, I don't think there's a long runway here. If she could, you know, Omar is the same thing. Like she can't just keep making anti-Semitic mistakes every weekend. Like at some point, this is going to get old for Democrats having to deal with this. But at the moment, there's enough fuel, excitement, social media stuff going on with them that it's like, okay, let's take this and move the ball as far down the field as we can. We can still seem rational compared to her. She's never going to lose her seat anyway. It doesn't matter what she says. So should we just kind of move it back to something a little bit more rational, but still very far left, something that the Democrats wouldn't even propose just a few years ago? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a great point, but I still feel like they are kind of, they're eating their own, right? They're eating each other alive. You saw the, what the, uh, the co-founder of Greenpeace tweeted at her. Oh, is this, this? Uh, Patrick I think Moore? Yes. Yeah, oh, so, yes. So uh, if we could get that first tweet, because um, I don't have it on my cards. So he was responding to her tweet that was talking about, if you don't like the Green New Deal, then come up with your own ambitious on-scale proposal to address the global climate change. Until then, we're in charge, and you're just shouting from the cheap seats, which is such a, like, no, you work for the people. You're not right. in, in charge. Like, well, so I'm, I'm not already, in the cheap seats. I have a freaking calculator trying to actually work stuff out. I'm one of the guys, like, yeah. I, me and eight other people believe in math and are trying to fix these problems <laughs> while you morons are shouting at each other to see who can be more self-righteous. I love the premise of the question, too. Like, if you can come up with an, uh, an idea that's exactly the same as my idea, then go ahead. Like, well, what if we don't think that we maybe, need... Maybe it's like, not been ambitious enough. Right. Maybe, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, okay. uh, but so the co-founder of Greenpeace, Patrick Moore, tweeted back, Pompous little twit. You don't have a plan to grow food for 8 billion people without fossil fuels or get the food into the cities. Horses, if fossil fuels were banned, every tree in the world would be cut down for fuel for cooking and heating. You would bring about mass death. So the founder of Greenpeace is now a conservative Democrat. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, you know what? Maybe she's going to do some good. That's, but that's why it's so crazy. Is just like you. I mean, she's talking about the Green New Deal and we're talking about how crazy radical her policies are. And the co-founder of Greenpeace is like, you idiot. Yeah. You well, don't even know what you're talking about. I know. And Patrick Moore actually has a real solution uh, that could actually make a difference, which is nuclear power. He's right. been talking about it for really? a long he, time. He's pro-nuclear? He, yeah, yeah, very okay. pro-nuclear guy. And, uh, she and, and, and she doesn't want that. That's out of the Green New Deal. Even you, though that's like the one thing we could do right now. An actually source yeah. of energy with no emissions, and they reject it. Yeah. There are a few, I will say, on the left that don't, and they're important figures. Um, and, you know, I, I follow a few of them on, on the Twitters. Um, but it's important to see. They, they did a documentary about this a few years ago. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it was really good, and it was about saying, hey, look, we, this is a massive problem, climate change. Whether you think it is or not, at least it's a sensible solution, and it connects not only with the left, but also the right. We like nuclear power because we don't like you know, necessarily having to import power, even though that's changed a little bit. So you have a clean source of power. You have, uh, you have, it's infinite. We don't ever have to worry about another meltdown in the Middle East affecting the, you know, where our energy comes from. And it's something that could really be developed. And you could see honesty in environmentalists when they actually yeah. embrace that. Yeah. There's a, a St. Thomas soul. Uh, one of my, my favorite living economist um, said that uh, in, environmentalism is not about solutions, it's about trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. You look at that and you're like, okay, we don't want emissions. Nuclear power is a good way to go. No, it's not magic. Magic would be terrific. We don't have magic. So mm-hmm. barring magic. It's almost magic. It's almost it's magic. It's almost magic. We are creating a tiny away. sun that yeah. we can use to heat. We can boil <laughs> water really, with. It's amazing. I mean, it's as yeah. close as we're ever getting to magic. Track it's magic. <laughs> it's magic. It's magic. Right. Right. We have wizards. Uh, uh, just really quickly, this is my favorite part. Uh, he tweeted again at her. 
and said, you're just a garden variety hypocrite like the others, and you have zero expertise at any of the things you pretend to know. He is pretty harsh words for the woman who is going to tell you that she is the one person who is finally trying to tackle all of this climate change business. I also so I, I went through the, the, the Green New Deal with, with a, a fair amount of, um, I, I, I went through all the data that they had available at the time and like, given her grasp on economics, I can't fathom that she would be the one to save the planet either. I'm like, if, yeah. if, if your understanding of the environment's anywhere near your understanding of economics, <laughs> don't come in the room. Like, I'll just, I'll let the Greenpeace guy handle it before I let you handle it. Doesn't she have a master's in yeah. economics, yeah. too? I mean, it's just insanity. Insane. Boston University should just, just close its doors and knock itself down. Yeah. I just want to know how much she spent on her education to come out blabbing the things that she says. I don't know. I feel like you shut the co- honestly you shut Too the university down. Too much because all college should be free always. Ah, for, great for, for all of your life. Ugh. You want to be a student at 60, that's your constitutional right. <laughs> uh, all right. So last week for children in I guess I don't know if private schools do it, but in public schools it was read across America week. I don't know if your children had that. I'm a good um, father. <laughs> I just want to say that. Okay. Not, it's not that I have no knowledge of what you're talking about. I'm a good father. Yes, we, we all know still. We all know. But uh, so um, commonly, a lot of children or a lot of schools have Dr. Seuss week because it's about Dr. Seuss, right? Sure. Read Across America Day is Friday. And then they have this whole week of celebration, um, you know, wear wacky socks. And so they learn about reading, a lot of Dr. Seuss involved. Um, so a Virginia elementary school um, decided to celebrate transgender kids um, for Read Across America Day. And um, they had um, books like Heather Has Two Mommies read to kindergarten students. Um, so our five-year-olds were reading um, and are being read to about transgender issues. Andrew, you are our uh, resident libertarian. Yeah, and I'm- Give me your libertarian spin on this. Okay. Well, my, I mean, my overall thing is like I'm, I'm fairly, you know, whatever gender you want to identify with, I'm fine. The state doesn't dictate your gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, either you I or, mean, biology. You or biology or one of the two things, but I, I don't want the state getting involved. Um, I, you know, I, I'm generally like my, my disposition as an Oklahoman is that I, I believe it's my etiquette to address you as you wish to be addressed as long as it's within reason. I'm not sure. going to call you Pope, but sure. if you want to be, if, if you're, you're a, what appears to me to be a male, you want to be a female, I'm happy to accommodate you. I don't know the science beyond, beyond that. Um, where I do get kind of concerned, I, I don't like it when new and glorious fields of battle open up in the culture war. I don't think that that's actually a good thing. Like, I, like it's, it's a different issue, but the whole kneeling thing with Colin Kaepernick, I don't like football, but I didn't, I was like, one more thing we got to fight about? Right. Yeah, when you call like, him really? Kaepernick, it's really hard to see. <laughs> Kaepernick, that, yeah. what's his yes, name? Thank you. you, you didn't okay. like football. I was shocked. Um, so, like, with, with the <laughs> elementary school, I mean, I, I don't have kids or anything, but it, I don't generally want... The I would rather schools take a back seat in terms of moral instruction. I would rather them focus on, you know, what, whatever learning, re- reading, whatever. I'm not sure what reading seems like a good thing. Math, yeah. math yeah. would be good. Yeah, math would be great. Um, they so don't teach you that know. at BU. Huh? They don't even teach that at BU. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it was just like if, if it were, basically, if they're looking for a fight, I don't like that. Yeah. If, if it's just making people feel comfortable, if there is a kid that I mean, has a something. a five-year-old, though, like, is it really, is that really the proper age to be teaching our children about all of these well, complex adult Probably not. I mean, like, that are going on. for me, I'd probably, like, I'd probably, had I, if I had kids, I'd probably read, you know, uh, Jill has two mommies or whatever. I'm fine with that. That, like, in the Heaton household, that's great. I don't know that I would want a teacher doing that, mm-hmm. though. And, and, I, and I don't yeah. want the teachers co-opting that parenting role that I would presumably have in this scenario where I've, I've convinced a woman to become pregnant <laughs> with me. Which is, again, a wild sci-fi 
sort of situation. <laughs> what a romp that would be, huh? <laughs> uh, um, so I, uh, I mean, the libertarian position, though, is right. We don't, I don't want it to be a public school at all, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that. I mean, because I think you're, you know, you, you can get into these worlds. Like I know, you know, if you want to, you know. Private school is expensive and not attainable for every uh, every person on earth. Unfortunately, I think if, if we if there are certain laws that I think that would, uh, when it comes to vouchers and such, that could support uh, a much uh, a much better education system. And you know, then you could have a you know you could have your school where everyone's reading to mommies, and you can have a, when the, this crazy idea that a mommy and daddy. It's a Montessori and, school. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that like that that variety should be something that you as a parent should be able to choose. I think I I, I don't want you know, I, I you know I don't like the idea of uh, teachers at a public school uh, wading into the culture war. Because I think a lot of times, I think, you know, because this is partially due to things that, you know, like Fox News. I mean, Bill O'Reilly, we have him on every week, and he, he used to do a segment all the time that was like, the culture wars. And like, that's kind of his, you know, his game. And I think a lot of times uh, Republicans or conservatives get kind of unfairly uh, mentioned as the only side in that war, like the only one who's trying to make it. It's the war on Christmas, that BS oh, stuff. Yeah, I mean, like... There's you, two, two like, players in that tango. Exactly. If you're, you know, look, I think the, the right answer is really that there's not a place for sexual interaction when you're talking about children. I mean, geez, did anyone watch the Michael Jackson <laughs> Maybe five years old is too young. I think, you know, it might be, if you want to make that as your choice, that's fine. However, as a matter of public policy, where a public school is doing that... That makes me feel like, uh, you know, it's definitely not appropriate. And, you know, you can design the school that you want if you have people going to private schools and they don't have to dump thousands and thousands and thousands of tax dollars into a public school that teaches things that they don't believe so that they have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars in taxes to then pay tuition to a private school. Nothing personal about this particular point. All right, I didn't realize I was going to set you up. Yeah. Now I'm going to completely switch gears really quickly okay. before we have to go. I want to know more about, you watched the Michael Jackson documentary? I only watched clips of it. Um, I, okay. I, I, I actually did record it. I want to, I want to watch it. It's, from what I've read, I think it's going to be really hard to watch yeah. uh, because it's like pretty like graphic and uh, a little more information than I, I think I can handle. And it, it briefly swung to where they were like, actually, he didn't do anything. And I think it's now swung really hard back yeah. to the other yes. words. Like, no, actually, quite. quite yeah. Bad. And I, I do find that interesting. Pat brought this up on, I think it was Friday's show, and that like we are at a point now where like it's really like a documentary is in the new trial. Right. It's like if you have like if Michael Jackson was innocent after all of these things and he went through an actual court trial about these specific allegations, so these guys were defending them in court. And now it's like a documentary's come out and it's completely swung. The same thing kind of happened with R. Kelly and the same thing kind of happened with with Bill Cosby and the same thing. Like this is a it's an interesting turn. I, I don't know that it's it's going to hit due process and we're going to miss on some of these. I feel like we hit it. We're right on Michael Jackson. But I feel like we're going to miss on some of these and some bad things are going to come out of it. Yeah. I feel like the number of retweets of a documentary is not the appropriate form of justice we should be chasing after. But it, so far, I don't think we've missed horribly on these things. Such so. high standards I know, have. I know. I'm a little nervous. Though, a little nervous. <laughs> All right. Friday's poll, what domestic issue concerns you most? 39% of you said abortion. 28% said culture war, 22% said national debt. What percentage said um, uh, paying taxes for public school and also paying tuition for <laughs> private school? What was the t- percentage? Uh, it, was, it was like 0.5% and it was you. That was me. Okay, yeah, I did click on that one. It was <laughs> you. And then today's poll, do you believe it? 
this is an interesting one. Do you believe the MSM narrative, the mainstream media narrative, that Republicans are more likely to be racist than Democrats? Is that? <laughs> what? Is that, was that is, I guess that's, uh, that is a narrative of theirs for sure. I mean, it, but was there like a recent story that came up? That All they the were stories. Like, Let's say the last two years have yeah. been. A new poll conducted by us in the newsroom <laughs> no, shows the, the that The cool thing is that you know, progressives just don't ever talk about race. So no, like, they're not interested in it. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just not an issue to them. So like that only leaves one group that would be racist. <laughs> Does it not? That's, yeah, a, that's, great true. Point. that's a good point. I, one of my favorite things that's happened with this 2020 uh, presidential, all of these people coming, the candidates coming up, was when Kamala Kamala Harris mm. had to like explain why she married a white guy. Yeah, <laughs> she really let us down with that one. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Stay in your ghetto. That's the that is what we want. Everybody be in their own ethnic ghetto. Mm. Insane. The world is insane. That's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. I know that was wrong. That was wrong. I think She's we all like, know that now. Uh, I mean, I, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the News and Why It Matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.